Amen. Praise God. Amen. It's all right to give young people some encouragement. Amen. I'm going to need some encouragement, too. I'm young. Y'all got to encourage me. Amen. Well, this is this book, and, and I told you guys I'm, I'm, I'm in a funny place right now. And, you know, when you get that kind of news late at night and you've studied your message and you've tried to, tried to put it in and do the things you do, you kind of just get messed up. So it's a place that I haven't been before, a place I really don't want to be, but this is the time when, when God really uses his people. So I want you all to listen up. I want to talk a little bit about a dilapidated and dangerous temple. Dilapidated and dangerous, and it kind of fits because, man, we've been, our theme has been start strong and finish strong. Y'all remember the messages, those of you that have been here? Start strong and finish strong. But I'm telling y'all right now, I need a redo. Do, you, do y'all remember, do y'all remember when we used to say, uh, we used to say outside, I need a do-over. I, I, I need to do this again. And, and, and that's where I am right now. I, I need to do it again. Because as Haggai was specific with this word, I interjected myself into the word because I normally, when I preach, I preach to myself before I ever can come out here and preach. But this time he did a little bit more. He put me into the word. On March 6, 2017, I walk into the doctor's office and I've told those of you that have been around restoration for a little while, my, my weight issues. And I walked into the doctor, and I got on the scale, and the scale rang 293 pounds. And I got off the scale, and I said, that can't be right. And I got back on the scale, and it said 290 pounds again. And I was heartbroken because the last time I got up here, I told you all about, you know, helping me out. But you can't help me out. You, you're not in my home when I'm at home. So how I was interjected into this text is I can see exactly what was going on with that remnant of people that got thrown in captivity. I've been in captivity for 49 years. My weight has went like a roller coaster. And I would do quick things to try to get it back in place. I, I'd go on fad diets like the Atkins diet, and I would, I would go on things that I would, would, would not eat from sunup to sundown, and I would eat afterwards to lose weight real quick. But every time I lose weight real quick, it keeps piling back up on me. And I believe that this is the same way that why the Israelites, why you can look at the Israelites throughout the Bible. And they always getting in trouble. Something is always happening. They always turning themselves away from God. Well, I see that that walk parallels my walk. My addiction is sitting in my office eating a sleeve of dosey doughs when I'm stressed out. Your addiction might be drugs, might be alcohol, might be something that dilapidates 
It makes you dangerous. See, when it's dilapidated, stuff starts falling apart. So when I went into the doctor's office and he tells me that you have severe sleep apnea, and what I found out is that in a 60-second period, I stopped breathing 47 times. 47 times. Almost every second. So when you don't clean the temple up, when this temple doesn't get used properly, things begin to fall in the temple. So now the consequences of my bad behavior and them dosy dos that I'm gonna have to stop eating in my office has caused me to have this full-length mask on, hooked up to that APAP machine in order to get better. But there's other consequences. The high blood pressure. And I'm this far away from diabetic medications that you seem like you can never get off. Why am I saying this? These, the remnant, the, the people of Judah that went into captivity, they were warned by the prophet Jeremiah. He warned them. Just like doctors in my 20s warned me. Doctors in my 30s warned me. I cried in people's offices, telling them I want to be around a little bit to watch my children grow up. And even though I cried in the offices, I kept doing the same thing over and over again. The people were warned. He said, stop doing it. Stop doing, stop being evil. Stop going out there worshiping idols in high places. Stop doing all these things that I don't want you to do. And Jeremiah yelled and screamed. But the people had calloused hearts and they couldn't hear. So they got locked up in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. So Haggai comes out on the scene. And I believe Haggai was in captivity as well. So he knew the people. He connected with the people. And he was a part of that. He was a minor prophet that came to encourage them. He wanted them to be God's light in the community. That's why the temple had to be restored. The temple was supposed to be sat in the middle of the community and where God's house was being taken care of by the people and doing what they needed to do. So he wanted them to restore the temple, but he also had a heart condition that needed to be taken care of. And, 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 and what happened in that heart condition, they began to think more of themselves, and, and I don't blame them. They were in captivity for 70 years. And when you get out, now I've never been to prison, but when you get out, you're trying to find who you are. You're trying to catch up with the times. And after 70 years, people have been born in that. So they didn't know much about God. So during this time, that's what he had to connect again. He had to connect the people to be back in right fellowship with God. And I believe that's where we are today. 
We're in the same place today that those, those, uh, the remnant of Israel was in. It wasn't all of them. All of them didn't come from Babylon. A lot of them stayed and did their own thing. Only a remnant, only about 10,000 in my research said came back. And he wanted to change their lives. And he wanted to do the things that he needed to do. He needed a spiritual shift. So as we read in verse 2 of Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Now what we, you may not know, is this is 18 years after they got let go from Babylon. 18 years. So for 18 years, God allowed them to do them. And then he began to send a message to the people. And when he began to, see, to, to uh, give them the message, they began to say, it's not time to build your house yet. I still need to do me. That's what this is all about. I, I just need to do me. I'm not going to do he yet. I, I need to do me. Because I'm still trying to get right. And when we begin to understand it, you can't get right by yourself. <laughs> you you got to come to him and he'll help you get right. You can't, if, if we keep trying to get right on our own, we're going to do exactly what they did. We're going to procrastinate. And that's all it was, procrastination. Procrastination is the act of keeping up with yesterday. And we do it all the time. You know what? I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And why don't tomorrow ever get here? See, I knew a man that sat right there. And tomorrow's not coming. Tomorrow isn't coming. And we always take for granted that tomorrow is going to get there. And God says, why don't you do what you can do today instead of putting it off till tomorrow? And that's what I want you guys to hear. We got to stop procrastinating. I got to stop procrastinating because What's going to happen is my procrastination is going to lead to other complications in my walk. And because my temple is dilapidated and dangerous, my witness won't be as effective. People are looking at me, making judgments about me. Heck, I make judgments about myself. I was walking, and you know one of them long, leak mirrors? And I stepped and I looked. And I stepped back. I mean, the full view will really tell you. See, I've been in them half mirrors, and I ain't see all this stuff right here. But the, film, the full mirror don't lie to you. 
And I stepped back in there, and I said, who in the world is this? I mean, it looked like I was on one of them oop-de-loop-des on, on the chocolate factory. What, what is it, Willy Wonka? I'm saying, what is going on? Why do I keep going through this roller coaster with this stuff? Because I'm not placing God first in my life. I'm making excuses. I'm procrastinating. I'm saying not today. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get out of my pew tomorrow. Some of y'all have been sitting in pews since I got here 10 years ago and haven't moved and haven't done anything for God's house. This, this is where we got to get serious. See, it's easy to come in here for a 75-minute message, but it's simple math. It's simple math. 75 minutes, and the rest of the time I give to the world. Maybe you come in here Wednesday night, and in my personal and humble experience as a, as a man of God, the Wednesday night crowd should be bigger than any Sunday morning crowd. That's my personal thought, because we come to learn. See, I think the reason we don't want to learn is because of the Jehovah's Witness experience pastor told us about at Starbucks. We don't want nobody coming asking us questions. Because I really don't know what to say. I really don't know what to do. That's how I felt in Arizona. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling myself out too. He was asking me questions that I didn't have an answer for because I wasn't in my word like I need to be because I was procrastinating and saying I'll do it tomorrow. But that's what got the fire back. God will do what he needs to do to get the fire back in you. Because then I started studying, not just because I knew I was going to get up on a Sunday morning, but I studied to get to know him a little bit better. I studied to show how I needed to act a little bit better so I could get to where he wanted me to get to. That's why I started stuff, because I love him, because he loved me first. That's why we study. That's why we give. We don't sit in here and tell you to give, give, and give, and lock doors. We don't do that. If you can't give because what he did for you on Calvary, that's between you and God. And that's where I was and where I am. Verse 3 and 4. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And in the King James, you might see in your sealed houses. While, the house, while this house lays in ruin. Check this out. Sealed, if we use the King, King James Version. Sealed, when I did my, my, my uh, word study, it means the top covering, like the sealing. But in several other scriptures that you read, it says that sealed may have meant the inner portions of the home. And so that's why the NIV and, and the ESV, they use paneled. 
And see, what those panels were was they would put those panels on the inside of their homes. And what's funny about it, the panels were made of cedar or other expensive woods. And, 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 and in this cedar, this is what they normally put in the temple. In the temple that was dilapidated and dangerous. So the people would get what normally goes in God's house. And they put it in their own house. So some in, your, in, your, uh, in, your, in some of the scriptures you'll see luxury homes and fine houses. And don't we do that? I mean, if we, I do it. Put more in my own house and come to God's house. Give him second best. And that's where our problem lies. That's where these people's problem lied. They keep giving God second best. And it doesn't work. God wants first. I'm, not talk, I'm talking about his chosen people. These people are already covered with, even though Jesus wasn't there, I'm going to say they was covered with the blood. Y'all covered with the blood. So it's about lifestyle and quality of life. The way that I'm heading, my quality of life is going to be messed up if I keep going down this path of pills and drugs and things over my mouth so that I can breathe. Quality of life is what we're talking about here. What is the quality of your life? Only you can answer that. Verse 5 and 6. This is where we start. This is where God started getting on, folks. Telling them what he's going to do. And verse 5. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Examine your life. Alarm, warning, warning, examine your life. See what it is that you're doing on a daily basis that places him in first position. Listen to verse 6. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. The clothes you, you clothe yourselves, but no, but no one is warm. And he, and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Consider our ways. This is what God is saying. This is why you're not blessed. This is what he's saying. In six, you, you, you heard, you, you go out there and you do much in the field, but you reap little on that. You have a lot of activity. 
but it's activity for you. The hustle and bustle of life, taking kids to school, going to jobs, going to this place and that place. You got a lot of activity. I got a lot of activity. And because of our ego edging God out, because of our ego, we can't seem to put him first. But if you're God's people, don't we understand that God is the one that gives the increase? Not you. Everything, the origin in Job says everything comes from God. The origin of everything, that means your money, your situation, your thing, it all belongs to him. And all we're doing is giving a little bit of portion back. A little study. A little seeing what it's about in my own life. A little understanding. A little conviction. The second part talks about, in the scripture, talks about, you know, you eat, but you never get filled. You drink, but you never get filled. You put on clothes, and you can never get warm. What is he talking about? The people didn't have a spiritual appetite. They didn't have a spiritual appetite. So what they got caught up on is those panel doors, those panel inner panel pieces that he put in their house so that people would say, Man, you got a nice house. Getting the praise from the people. Wanting honor. Wanting God's glory for ourselves. And what we have to begin to understand, God made us. He didn't make our heart desire those things. So you'll never be satisfied. You'll always want more. You'll stop keeping up with the Joneses and trying to keep up with somebody else. But when you drink, you're never going to get full. When you put on clothes, you're never going to be warm. Because you're God's people. And God wants you to seek after him first. Now let's get to the money. Y'all know about that money. God says you're going to put it in your pockets, and you're going to have a big hole in your pocket, and it's going to keep falling through because you won't put me first. Now what does that look like? I have done it. Soon as I get two nickels to rub together, soon as I get a little bit of money in the pocket, the furnace goes out. Got to go take care of it. Soon as I get a couple of dollars in my pocket, the transmission on my ride goes out. And I got to put a little, I mean, I, I say thank you, Lord, for having it. But dog, I want to keep some too. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Soon as I put some money in my pocket, here come my kids. They need clothes for school to start. They got to go on camping trips. They got to go on all that type of stuff. God is saying to us, as long as you keep putting me second, 
third, fourth, and fifth. Every time you get a little piece of change, it's going to fall through your pockets. You know what's going to happen? You're going to come to church and say, I can't give. That's what happens. It happened to me. I'm the same. I'm talking to y'all, and as he was talking to me, I've done the same things of not placing them first. I'm going to read verses 7, 8, and 9 and getting close to finishing. Thus says the Lord of hosts, one more time, consider your ways. I'm giving you warning. He's giving the people warning. Consider what you do with your life because if you don't put me first, this is what's going to happen. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came out little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Might come in the form where we like to say, oh, the devil did it. Oh, this did it. But God said, I blew it away because you don't put me first. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you is busy himself with his own house. Let me tell you what these jokers, at least in my mind, I didn't read this, but God just popped this into my mind. These jokers, in my opinion, was going up to the hill, getting the finest wood, the cedar and other expensive stuff, bringing it to their home while they walking by the dilapidated temple. And I'm going to go do some construction in my house while his house lays in ruins. See, a lot of times in churches, we operate on the 2080 rule. And, and a lot of places and organizations, 2080 rule, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. I will sit in my pew, watch a teacher in children's church get burnt out and will never get out of my seat to help out. I will watch Derek be in the parking lot and Derek likes being in the parking lot because I love seeing y'all beautiful faces when you come into the house. But if Derek ain't in the parking lot, Derek don't have nobody that was willing to go in the elements, whatever they are, cold, hot, don't have nobody to do that with. So I'm going to challenge some of you that have great personalities, and even if you don't, if you're tired of being in the seat. I'm going to help you have a great personality. I'm going to go out there and I have fun. I want to see people laughing coming into the house. We have so much weight on us. So much weight when we come in this house. I want people to be able to relax when they walk into God's house. And I just need a few good men and women that would want to get out your seat from time to time. 
and do something other than just sit down. Man, if the church was operating on 80-20 and 80% of the people were doing 20% of the work and we begin to have a family atmosphere. Man, I'm so glad I got a community group that I go to once a month and, and I share with them and I cry with them and I pray with them. I'm so happy I have that because it keeps me up. For when, a, when, when one of my employees comes into my office, one of my employees came into my office and says to me, I got to go because my young cousin just tied a noose around his neck and he was hanging in the closet. And, and he has a wife and two small children. And she just got him. And he's in life support right now. See, I need something to fall back on. Because this ministry thing is not no joke. It's not a joke. And I'll say something about this situation going on down the street. Y'all pray for that pastor. Pray for that pastor. Because we all do some crazy and dumb stuff. Pray for the pastor. And for those people that are walking away from God, I'm going to tell you now your aim is too low. If you're looking at me, an imperfect being with all this flesh, and it makes you walk away from the house of God, I'm going to tell you your relationship isn't where it needs to be. Almost done. John 15 and 4 says, dwell in me as I also dwell in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Dwell in him. Live in him. Study his word for yourself. Stop only hearing it. But study it so you can put it into action. That's what got me back. I've been down the road. That's what got me back. By studying the word for myself. And when you study the word, it leads to some action if you wanted to get there. And then with your action, it'll lead to knowledge. And from knowledge, it'll lead to understanding. See, if I want to do something about this dilapidated temple, I, I can't just exercise all by itself because I miss some days. But I got to watch my eating habits as well. I'm counting some calories on an app now. But I also have to have some discipline, which is another word for obedience. I got to have some of that. And then I got to have encouragement. 
that you would root me on so that my life can be changed so I could be a witness. So I can be a witness and I can stand boldly in front of anybody because I have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me and I can profess the Word of God. That's what He wants us to do. But you won't be able to do it if you remain seated. You, you, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. Let me read this and I'll be done. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 17. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious store, uh, stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each, of one, each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. Do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The question is, do you want your temple to be dilapidated and dangerous or renovated and restored? It's about a lifestyle change. See, a lot of people I hear all the time say, I just want to get in by the skin of my teeth. You've heard them. You may have been one that said it. But that means your existence here is going to be impacted. It's going to be impacted. Because one day the fire is going to come. And if you don't put your stuff and build this house with stones that can work in the fire, and you build it with wood and hay and straw, Life down here is going to be crazy. So I'm hoping that you guys will take this challenge today. Just like Haggai gave to the remnant. If your life is not where it needs to be as you examine, as you consider your ways. We have people here that will pray with you. We have people here that will help you get to where you need to be. I know personally I've taken on a few young men in my life. This is how I've been getting back on track. I've taken on a couple of men and I meet with them and I talk real with them and I'm transparent with them. And I'm, God is asking for each of you 
to be transparent today. And if you don't have it all together, and if you want to renew your fellowship with Christ, we want you to come today. Let us stand to our feet. Don't let this message make you fearful and stay in your seat. Don't worry about who's on your left and who's on your right. Just come. This is where it starts. It has to start somewhere. Our theme has been start strong, finish strong. I don't think you can start strong if you never give it up to him it's all about him today it's all about him today tomorrow is not promised to you today is all you have think about that man walked outside, went to his car, four gunshots, pop, 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 laid down dead. That's what happened. Life is not promised to us. So get it together today, however you need to get it together. But we're here for you. 